We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Sabonis down the lane with authority. Oh, Miles Turner bringing that smoke. Lundford skies high for the jam. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human. The Setting the Pace podcast had Kevin Pritchard on. Well, you got it setting the pace, and I think that's terrific. What is going on, Pacer Nation? It is officially off-season mode. And the Indiana Pacers are slotted with the 13th overall pick in this year's NBA draft, barring they move up in the draft lottery. I'm going to be joined today by my co-host, Mike Focci, as always, and our guest, Mark Schindler. But right now on this intro, it's my man, Focci. What's up, brother? Hey, Alex, nothing much. Just like you mentioned, you know, right now we're 13, but in less than a month, who knows? But now nah, I'm not holding out much hope of moving up. Crazier things have happened, so I'm starting to settle on some guys that we're looking at in that 13th range, and I'm getting excited. Yeah, I'm kind of looking from that 6 to 15 range, to be honest with you, only because I feel like the Pacers could possibly make a trade Mm, if they don't move up, and I think that there are some possibilities out there. We'll get to those later in the offseason, but here today, we are debuting our brand-new podcast series called The Prospect Chronicles. Scotty Barnes is personally my favorite player available after the top five. Um, I'm not sure if he's the perfect fit for the Pacers with how they go, but I I really like his game, and I think that he could be a huge piece to the puzzle as as far as growing and building this team. But with that being said, I want to get more in-depth on him. So who are we bringing on again, Fotch? 
So we're bringing on Mark Schindler. Mark, obviously someone that you're very familiar with on this show. And uh, Mark wrote an awesome article on Scotty Barnes recently. So thought, hey, who better than to bring on Mark Schindler and learn a little bit more about Scotty Barnes? Yeah, and if you guys want to check out that article, it is pinned to Mark Schindler's Twitter page. So just, I think it's M. Schindler MBA. Go check it out. I encourage you to read it. It's very informative. And of course, do that after you listen to this podcast, because Mark does a good job breaking some things down and kind of highlights some things that he talks about in his article. So really just some great content on Scotty Barnes. But all right, Foch, uh, let's get to this interview with Mark. Let's do it. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to our debut episode of the Prospect Chronicles. We have Mark Schindler from the Indie Corners podcast here to talk about our first prospect, Scotty Barnes. Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm psyched to be on. Absolutely. And Fachi, of course, is going to be here with me as well. My co-host, Fachi, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Excited to uh, talk some prospect coverage right now. And uh, Mark's very familiar on Scotty Barnes. Wrote an awesome article. You guys will have to check that out. Mark, you'll have to plug that article after this episode. Oh, I, I, I intend to, man. Definitely. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not an expert by any means, but I, I think, uh, yeah, this has been, I, I've really been dri- diving into draft coverage recently and, uh, um, you know, trying to get a better idea of what some of these guys would look like and how they might translate to the NBA. So, uh, yeah, I'll try and do some, some justice on here. And Scotty's a really fun prospect too. So, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so I, I haven't gotten too deep into the draft stuff yet, Mark. I will admit that I listened to the Game Theory podcast with Sam Vecini and then did a mock draft a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago. And Scotty Barnes fell all the way to 14 in their mock draft, which I thought was just absolutely crazy. Could not see that happening in real life, but you never know. Uh, most of the other places I've seen Barnes, he's been a top 10 prospect. So just to kind of kick things off, I don't know if you have a big board yet, but where do you have Scotty Barnes ranked if you do have him on a, on a big board? So this actually sounds really, really corny. I'm working on a big board right now. I just ordered a uh, like a, a three by four foot whiteboard to put in my room to actually write up my, <laughs> Making my it big official. board. Yeah, um, I, I I'm not comfortable enough with everybody in the lottery to have like an official big board yet. So I'm still um, working that out. But I'm I'm pretty far in. I have a good sense on guys in the second round and especially later in the first two, um, which helps for the Pacers. Um, but I think with Scotty, like, it's just important to remember too. I think Sam said on that pod too, cause I listen to that one. I listen to him occasionally and I really like Matt Penny as well. They're, they're pretty knowledgeable guys and they have really good, uh, inside knowledge too on some stuff going on in the NCAA. Um, I think in looking at that, it's not the craziest thing ever. Um, because like I talk about with Scotty in, in my piece and I talked about, you know, some, a really good scout P web friend of mine. Uh, on the Indy Cornrows pod as well. He's a really context-dependent player. Like, he's not somebody who you can just plug and play right away or who's probably even projecting to be a star in the NBA, which I think that uh, maybe to, you know, general fans that might sound like a turnoff, but I think Scotty's going to be a really high-level player. But point being, like, he's just not a guy who's going to fit on every roster. Um, so I think it's, it's pretty possible that he could fall. And we see that every year with guys who get mocked really high and then um, – for some reason, they end up falling down, or there are guys who get drafted way higher than than we expect. Um, so, you know, it, honestly, we we have good projections and ideas of where guys will go, but we're just not going to know for sure until uh, I think it's July 29th when it happens. Is it July 29th or yeah, I think it's July 29th when it happens. I should remember. I have the date circled somewhere, but. I'll yeah, I mean, it it, it's it's going to be very interesting. Obviously, you know, guys' stocks are going to rise and fall all in between, you know, as we, you know, approach July 29th. But I'm huge into college uh, recruiting. 
And, you know, Scotty Barnes, fifth-ranked overall recruit, highest recruit in Florida State history. However, you know, do you think, Mark, that he might have underperformed this past year? I know Florida State was deep, but only started seven of the 24 games he played in. Um, I don't think I would say that. Um, I mean, it's not easy to translate to uh, to really high-level basketball just off the, off the bat. I mean, Scotty's – I think he's still only 19 right now. And I thought he had a really good year. Um, I liked how Leonard Hamilton brought him off the bench at times. Um, you know, you can argue that maybe it would have been better for his development to start, and I think there's a case for that. But Florida State was really deep. They have a couple guys who are professional-level guys, like Raekwon Gray's probably – uh, I think he's got potential to be a second-round pick. He might end up being an undrafted free agent, but I like him a lot. Um, somebody who I actually will probably talk about eventually with, you know, Pacers second-round selections. But um, point being, I mean, he went – and especially what he was doing too, like the stats don't jump off the page or anything. But, I mean, make no, he, make no mistake, he was the, the most important player to that team on both ends. He initiated a lot of the offense. Um, he set up their defense and was the most impactful player on their defense. And they also play a pretty egalitarian system. Like they're very derivative on um, doing everything together as a team. Like they play one of the best versions of defense that I think I've ever seen in college basketball um, or just basketball in general. They're extremely locked in. They all play together. A lot of that is, again, credit to Leonard Hamilton. But I think it was more like if if Scotty goes to a, a different school or maybe like a slightly smaller school, maybe the counting stats are bigger or something and he gets put in a, a, a role where he's playing – you know, 33, 35 minutes a game. But um, I think the what he got to do at, at Florida State was huge for his development. Yeah, and I think what's interesting too, like you talk about the games that he started there, Foch, Miles Turner only started in seven of the 34 games out at Texas. So I think with some of these young guys, it's not actually a bad thing that they come off the bench, but most of the time you are expecting a guy like like maybe in a higher pick like Scotty Barnes will, is projected to play more as a starter. But with that being said, Mark, uh, before we get into his game, I'm just kind of curious, uh, in specifics, I mean, but uh, who does Scotty Barnes remind you of? I know pro comps are kind of hard to do, so I don't necessarily am not ask you for a comp, but, like, is there anybody he reminds you of? Yeah, I mean, so I – yeah, like you're mentioning, it's funny because I, I always try and be really careful with comps because I, I just don't like doing them. I think it, it doesn't do justice to the guy or to the player. But if you do them carefully, like, I think you can talk about shades of what a guy has, and I think um, – you know, I didn't get to watch Thad Young in college, but in terms of what Thad does in the pros now, like a guy who is, um, I wouldn't call him a switchable defender. He can occasionally switch, but he's just a really smart team defender, help defender, rotator. Um, I, I would say that there are shades of, of being like Thad Young with a little bit of a different kind of athleticism and uh, less of a refined game coming in. Because I think Thad had a much more accomplished offensive game coming out of Georgia Tech than than Scotty does. And I actually think Thad's probably got a more complete offense than I, I like we might see from Scotty by the end of his rookie contract. So it just kind of depends on how things work out with that. But in terms of the way they play um, and how they'll probably be used positionally, I, I would say that's, that's a pretty solid comp for, for what he could end up being like. Hey, Pacer fans are still calling for, for Thad Young to come back. So a younger Thad Young sounds even more appealing. Uh, I've also seen some comparisons like a, a Draymond Green and, Kinda. I am going to just come out right away. I, I know you're not trying to say it, but no, no it's not, not there. Not. It's not there. <laughs> but, Mark, you know what really threw me off is I saw they tried to sprinkle in Magic Johnson comparison. And we cannot just throw <laughs> Where that are you around. looking? Uh, I was looking at it. was a Florida State uh, article that they were basically uh, okay. saying because they're both 6'9 and, you know, good passing ability and stuff. But we, we can't just 
give that to every guy that's, you know, <laughs> six, seven or over and can handle the ball. But, you know, Mark, one of the things about, you know, as we're, we're diving into Scotty Barnes here, a very efficient shooter inside the perimeter, but the big knock on his game, the three point shooting and from the free throw line, 27% from three, 62% from the free throw line. Not what you're looking for when you're, you know, picking inside the lottery, but still only 19 years old. Do you think that he can grow into an efficient, an efficient shooter uh, as time goes on in the NBA? Or are you a bit worried that, you know, that three-point line, it's only deeper in the NBA? I'm not really too worried about shooting. I mean, I think we've just seen so many guys come in as non-shooters and develop into positive and even sometimes above average shooters. So that's, again, that's not something I'm too worried about. Um, but again, that's something where on his, his rookie deal, I think we're, we're looking to see like maybe by the end of his rookie deal, he's shooting like 35% from three or something like that would be a, a plus in my mind. Um, but a lot of it too, is just, he's, you know, that he's, it's all about the expectations. Like, I think some people look at him and they're like, oh, he's a big, or he's a guard because he handled the ball that much. And he kind of played point guard at FSU. Um, but really I don't see it that way. I think he's a lot more of a combo forward or like a combo big. So he's like a four or five uh, more so than a three, three or anything like that. So I think that factors in more to how I look at things. And again, like that just makes it more important to talk about where he's going to be going, you know? So I think that factors in a lot for how he would fit on, on, on this Pacers team is currently constructed or how it might be constructed next year and moving forward. Because uh, that changes how you look at things. Uh, like you have to keep in mind, like okay, well, this guy, we know what he is right now, and but we, you know we have this idea of what he could be moving forward. But you know, given that you're a team like the Pacers trying to compete right now, that changes the calculus a little bit. Um, but I do think like the form isn't terrible, and I know um, that he's reworking it or, or was actively reworking it during the season. So he honestly could come in with a very different looking jumper to start the year, um, or just a more polished one. Uh, but also, I mean, it was just small sample size. So he didn't take a ton of them. Um, and it's not that he's a hesitant shooter or anything. He just didn't, most of the time he had the ball in his hands. So he wasn't asked to take anything, uh, off the dribble. He knows what he's good at. So, um, the long way of answering, I think the, the jump shots, not something I'm really too worried about. Okay. So I have like a three part question I'm going to give you some different scenarios here. So, Try to pay, try to follow me if you can. I know I can get a little bit <laughs> rambly here, but first, how would Scotty Barnes fit in with this current Pacers roster? How would he fit in if they traded one of the bigs? And could him and O'Shea Brissett come off the bench together, or do they kind of get in each other's way? Um, yeah, so I think so to answer the first part, if he came onto the roster currently constructed, I mean, I think it wouldn't be a disaster, but ideally he's somebody like, I look at like Patrick Williams uh, and what he did in Chicago. I'm not saying it's going to be the same type of thing, but I think if you're drafting somebody with this kind of potential, you want them to play big minutes right away. Mm -hmm. um, at least that's how I view it. I, I think it's uh, you have to give guys a very clear, clear Avenue to, to competing in a high level role and doing meaningful stuff for your team which is why the Pacers have had trouble with developing guys who are, you know, who are drafted later in the first round. And this is a huge opportunity. Um, so I think I would say it, I, I, I would understand if they, if they made that happen, I don't fundamentally understand keeping the same roster for next year, but that's a whole other pod. <laughs> um, but um, as long as there's like a clear cut path or some kind of uh, future in mind where he does 
find his way into a more, you know, a more sensible starting lineup. Um, I guess you could live with it off the bench, but I, I think it would be doing him a little bit of a disservice and I'd rather see uh, something different um, in terms of trading. One of the bigs, he makes a lot more sense in terms of fitting with miles. Um, and that brings up a lot for me about, you know, trade value. And, you know, if it's not even about which big you think is better, I think whoever you um, could get the most. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Value for is who you would trade, in my opinion. That's what it always comes down to. Um, I really like the idea of Scotty with Miles because I think he's going to have to occupy a lot of the spaces on the court that that Domas does without doing quite as much. So I think it it comes to it becomes a math problem. Like okay, and it's it's hard to deduce this thing to a math problem, but just in terms of mental calculus, you're like okay, well if you say you trade Domas, you get back draft capital and like a forward or uh, or a guard or somebody who um, you you picture being part of the team for a long time. Uh, does that on top of what Scotty brings you defensively and can kind of replicate offensively do enough for you to the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news we dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy from big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed. Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Make that kind of deal. Um, uh, it's, it's, I mean, I don't, I don't have an answer to that, but I do love the idea of his fit with Miles. Like, I think you could reasonably see him factoring in uh, with Miles and they would be one of the better defensive pairings uh, in the NBA in terms of backline. Uh, so I love that fit, but the, the fit with Domas is just really tough for me and we can get into why in a little bit, but, um, I don't love the fit of him and Domas. And I know a lot of people on Pacers Twitter are big on it, uh, and talking to some scouts and doing my own research. I really just don't like it. Um, I think it wouldn't be very good for Scotty and would kind of clog things up for Domas too. Um, and then the last part of your question coming off the bench and playing with O'Shea, I think him and O'Shea could make sense. Um, like you don't, but then, I mean, are, are you theoretically having both bigs with that? Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking more so. Cause well, that's obviously if Turner and Sabonis are there, then that would be more so an opportunity for both mm -hmm. of those guys to be on the bench. If one of them is traded and they don't fill that four spot, 
and they get like a draft pick or something. I'm just I'm just playing yeah. devil's advocate here. You know, they could or throwing hypotheticals out there. You know, then that means oh Barnes is on the bench with O'Shea, and at that point, I mean, are they kind of stuck in the same position at Bose thriving at that four spot because you don't want to interfere with Goga, or could they play together and be kind of big where like maybe O'Shea plays the three or Scotty plays the three? Yeah, see, that's where I I would I would say that it's not great like i mean if you have so if let's say it's like earlier this year and you have uh like let's say it's miles out there domas leaves early and and uh you know you bring in a couple guys off the bench to run a bench unit for um or say it's you know starting the second with the bench unit and miles is out there um i guess you could see it but also i just think you're really devoid of playmaking um which makes it tough because o'shea just um as good as he's been and he's shown some nice perimeter skills like he can attack closeouts and obviously the shot's been great but I just don't think he's going to be a three I think he's better guarding fours um and more importantly not even guarding fours just you know he's shown really capable of making those backline rotations and and doing more four things mm-hmm. um so I like that for him like the way that I would like it is if you like I mean I think it's it's situational so you can do it all the time but I mean, if Scotty could play kind of as a um, like a quasi five, he's kind of like a four or five, and you have O'Shea at the four. Like that, that could actually be really interesting. But um, again, it's just bench lineup, so you never know. But it, it's uh, it's not like perfect or anything. And I think it would be tough for O'Shea to play the three pretty consistently. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be, but it, it would be interesting though. And I know you mentioned about uh, Scotty potentially playing, you know, the five. And one of the things on him is that it, scouts believe that he can play one to five um, and one through five. Do you really believe that? Or is that really a statement that's getting thrown out there a bit too much about guys as, oh, you know, they could really play one through five when in reality there's probably a position, position or two they should stick at, but it is positionless basketball these days. You mean so play one through five or like switch yeah. one through five? On no, defense? play one through five. Oh, I don't, I don't know if I see that. Um, I agree. It's tough because I, I, you know, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. When, and I'm not trying to like shit on uh, what scouts are saying. Uh, I'm not like a professional scout or anything, but I, I like to think I know what I'm talking about pretty well. When looking at, especially college tape, like I think people will see Scotty um, guarding, you know, let's say a point guard from, uh, I think. I think the clip that I threw in was against Notre Dame and they have like a solid point guard. He's a fringe NBA level prospect. Um, and I think it's Prentice hub and uh, Scotty like guarded him pretty well, but also um, like his footwork was good. His he's got a ton of length. Like that's one of the big selling points for me is like a massive wingspan. Having that on top of good footwork makes it easy to keep guys in front of you. But still, like if, if this guy had an NBA level dribble, he's getting past him. Um, it's only so much can happen when you are big and in the way. Uh, it's good positionally, but you know if you come across NBA level guards who can break you down off the dribble, then that's not really something that's going to work. And same thing with looking at his offense. Uh, he was able to really get by guys on the perimeter, like in play point guard at Florida State, because he can. Uh, like his, his dribble is functional. Like it's not bad per se, but for his size, like for his size, it's solid, but for, you know, being in the NBA, it's like a pretty average handle. It's a little high. It's a little loose. Um, and I, it's really just not easy to improve your handle. Like just in doing research and learning a lot more. Um, that's one of the few things that is very difficult to improve on. So you can improve your shot, but improving your handle and playmaking is not something easy to do. 
And that's why we see a lot of guys who just aren't capable of making high-level reads or, or breaking guys down off the dribble uh, consistently. Um, so with him, like a lot of his uh, – when, he, when he's getting to the rim or you see him take somebody off the dribble, it's because he's got elite length, elite size, uh, and he's a pretty solid athlete. He's not a great NBA athlete in my opinion, but in terms of, you know, at the NBA – at the college level, like – he is a top athlete and just has so many tools. So he should be, you know, beating the crap out of people because he's a top 10 level prospect. Um, but when that comes to the NBA, it's going to look different because he's playing against guys who all have pretty similar um, backgrounds and coming from, you know, being elite athletes and having that, that similar size and ability. So I think it's a, it's a really long way of saying everything that you see at the, at the college level has to be taken with a little bit of a, like, you have to kind of look in mind and say, okay, well, what does this look like at the next level when he's playing against better athletes or guys who are uh, more comparable to him and, and what he brings to the table? Yeah, and I think that's a great point. It's, it's, it's so hard to really know what these guys will become because they're so young, they're so raw, and, and there's clearly so much potential for them to grow. But at the same time, they have to put in the work to become that, you know, that player. So my thing for you, what my next question for you, what's – one of the like, what would be a red flag for you to to say? I, I don't know if we should pull the trigger on, on drafting Scotty Barnes right here. Um, I mean, like, let's say that he does fall to thirteen, uh, or the Pacers. Yeah, even let's say that the Pacers they have like I think a one point eight percent chance right now of a top four pick. So let's say by um, some you know lottery god odds, uh, the Pacers get the fourth pick. Mm -hmm. I would not select Scotty Barnes. Yeah. Uh, and that's not a, a knock on Scotty. He wouldn't be fourth on my board, but also like, I think you could say that he might have a better floor than a lot of the guys who are, you know, shot creating guards. Um, but also that when you look at what the Pacers are really in need of, they need to gamble on somebody who could be a star player if they get the opportunity to do it. I think when it's more towards 13, you still want to gamble and, and be, uh, you know, try and find somebody who's really going to elevate you, but also, like it, it just, it's different. Like if you have the opportunity to swing on somebody like Jalen Green or Jonathan Kaminga, who I don't think would go fourth or like Jalen Suggs, who probably, I, I mean, I think Suggs is projected three for most people right now. But point being, like if there are a couple of guys who are real opportunities to be primary initiators at, at, and could be the best initiators on a, a Pacers team in three or four years. So if you got the fourth pick, you swing on that 100%. But also if Scotty Barnes fell to the 13th pick, I think you draft him no questions uh, because it becomes at that point, you know, uh, you just have to take the most talented player and figure it out from there. And that's where it comes into having a good organization and making sure you have a good coaching staff and player development staff, because at the end of the day, you don't get to choose who you draft. I mean, that, that sounds counterintuitive, but like if every team got to choose who they wanted to pick, everybody's taking Cade Cunningham, you know? Um, <laughs> so at some point you have to it's settling is the wrong word but like you have to find new ways to, to work everything you're doing around the way every other team is building and and finding your own avenue and I think if a guy as talented as Scotty who has the uh the kind of potential that he does were to fall to 13 I think you without question take him I mean at 13 the value is through the roof I mean you touched on a lot of what Scotty does well but what aspect of his game do you think is his absolute strength? Because, you know, when looking on NBADraft.net, they have him as a 96 overall. I mean, you cannot complain about that. But what do you think he does best? 
Um, so it's not even really a thing, but I, I can break it down into a couple of things. But the biggest thing for me is his feel for the game. Um, there are guys like I'm trying to think of a good example for the Pacers who is kind of a, a lower feel player who was um, like you could look at somebody like Aaron Holiday's feel for the game is awesome. Um, like he's he's got a solid feel for the game. But I mean, we see it. He can get tunnel vision. Um, he, he's not always great at finding passes. Uh, he can kind of get a little bit too locked in off ball and um, fall asleep at times. Scotty like has elite floor vision uh, on both ends. He just sees the court extremely well. And that's not something you can teach. It's not really something that's easy to, to just find in a guy. Um, you get it through uh, just playing really high level basketball consistently. Um, I, you know, I can't really tell you how to get feel. It's there's uh, some of my friends have actually written really interesting pieces on, you know, how, how people learn to, to be, to become higher field players. Uh, but point being like, that is his, his thing. Like he sees Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings. A four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Things happening before they happen and is able to sniff out a lot. That's what makes him a good defender because he's not the most laterally quick guy. He's actually an incredibly unexplosive vertical athlete, which is part of the reason why I'm not sure of his fit with the Pacers. Um, but he makes up for a lot of that just by having incredible basketball IQ and, and seeing the floor well. Um, also, the defense is going to be really good. I think it's a lot of uh, – like you mentioned the idea that he might play one through five. I see a lot more thrown around that he's going to guard one through five. And I just don't agree with that at all from what I've seen. Um, I think there's maybe some situational versatility in which he could maybe switch a little bit, but I think he's going to be somebody more who's guarding forwards, guards some stretchy fives um, and could maybe later on in his career or, or like later on into as he's getting into his prime, maybe he's switching on to um, some guards and some wings. But again, it's all about, you know, how how much shake do they have as a ball handler? So I think you have to take it with a grain of salt. Again, I've said that like a thousand times, but it's important to remember. Um, and then the other thing is just his passing. Like he makes um, some passes that would rival a little bit of what Domas does. It's not the same, you know, he doesn't have the same kind of playmaking ability as Domas, but he makes some fantastic eye manipulation reads, can can really move the defense without being an elite dribbler, which is pretty impressive. Um, so those would be the three things that really stand out for me about him, the defense, um, his playmaking, and the floor vision for sure. So I've got two more questions for you, Mark, mm -hmm. and I want you to answer basically that same question, but in terms of weaknesses. Uh, weaknesses, the biggest one I already mentioned a little bit, and it's part of what makes him really difficult to project at the NBA level. And it's because he's not a vertical athlete. Um, like I put a couple clips in that article that show it to give people a better idea if they want to try and see it. Um, but he, a cannot jump off his back foot or, I, I mean, he can jump off his back foot, of course, but like he can't really get any height at all. Like he gets maybe eight to 10 inches off the ground, which, by virtue of being long as hell, um, he's still able to contest a little bit. But again, that's at college. Um, when he's at the pros, I just don't think he's going to factor in as a rim protector uh, really much, if at all. I think that there's some chance that he could do some help side stuff because he's really smart and is good at being at, in the right place at the right time. But 
Um, that's why I'm really hesitant about him as, as a pacer or the idea of him fitting next to Domas. The, the offense, of course, factors in, but also um, I just don't think that he's going to ever be a, a reliable rim protector, especially like you can't not playing at all like, like Miles can. Uh, and I think, um, you know, we saw how this year went without having somebody who can really protect the rim on the back end. Um, you know, Caitlin Cooper, of course, over at Indy Cornos has written some great stuff about how the Pacers could defend better without necessarily having a, a rim protector, but it's just so hard to actually do. And I think they'd have to restructure a lot of the roster before they could play that way because clearly that just did not work out this year. Uh, part of that's coaching, but also a lot of it is just roster construction. Uh, so I think it would be really difficult to see that working out, especially with him not being a rim protector. The other stuff um, – in terms of just not having great, uh, like he's, I don't think he's ever going to be a really high level scorer, which again, that's not a knock, but again, that's just the thing where like when you picture a guy as a top six, seven pick, I think a lot of people see scoring upside. And um, I mean, in his peak, he might score 14 points per game. And that's not a, again, that's not a knock, but it's more everything that he brings as an auxiliary player is what st makes him stand out. Like he's never going to be a number one guy on a team. And, um, that's not a problem, but I think it's just important to keep in mind, uh, like people could see him average seven points per game in his rookie year or his, his second year and be like, well, what's, I mean, what's wrong with Scotty Barnes? There's nothing wrong with him. It's just, that's not the kind of player he is. Uh, he relies a lot on a, on a floater, which is kind of a, I don't, I don't want to say it's a complete red flag. There are some guys who can do really good work with the floater, but, um, to see him routinely go to the floater, against uh, he was often guarded by uh, guard size players because he was playing point guard at, at FSU um, to have to rely on floaters because he doesn't have that that vertical pop to go over somebody um, or really the handle to get past somebody that's that I mean that's an indicator that he's probably not going to be an awesome scorer at the NBA level and I think he'll develop some counters and could maybe become uh, you know some some semblance of a post threat I think that's the avenue for him but I just yeah he's not going to be much of a scorer in my opinion yeah I know you mentioned while well, he might not be much of a scorer you know we we have seen some crazier things happen but you know in the last five to ten in the next five to ten years moving forward do you see him as being a potential maybe even a one-time all-star more of a promising starter or more of a you know a role player in the NBA um I mean I think and his as long as he becomes a shooter, like if he can shoot from the corners, um, he's a starter, in my opinion. Um, I think, you know, he obviously, like like we mentioned, he has to workshops and stuff, and I think he has to be on the right team. Um, but I think he'll be a high-level starter in the NBA. I don't, I don't know if I see all-star um, mm -hmm. just because, you know, not being able to – not being a high-level scorer makes it very difficult to be an all-star. Um, I'm not sure what his playmaking will tip out at. In the NBA, uh, I think he'll be like a high-level playmaker, but I don't think he's going to be a high-usage playmaker per se. Um, but I do think – I like I would say he has like all defense upside. Um, I don't think like a guy who's necessarily – like I'm not talking about like Jonathan Isaac out of past Florida State player um, or like even looking – again, like looking at Miles, I don't think that he has that kind of ability because he doesn't have the same – athleticism but I do think just in terms of being a really smart positional player he's a guy who I would vote for all defense eventually because he's probably just going to be a great rotational player and make the right plays and he'll probably be a deflections machine too 
Um, but one of the guys, like, again, like not to keep making the same comp, but very similar to Thad. Like, I think Thad is somebody who I look at who should have probably been all defense a couple times, especially when he was in Indiana. Um, but that, you know, he just doesn't have necessarily the defensive highlight plays, so it doesn't stand out. But um, I, I do think he'll be a high level starter for a really long time because based on everything I've heard about his personal life, like a very hard worker, you can see on court how intense he is and just wants to be out there playing basketball. And he doesn't care that he isn't scoring either, which is kind of a, it, that can be a little bit over overwrought by people and, and scouts. But I do think it's just, it's an interesting thing to me. Like he, like you mentioned, he was coming off the bench at Florida state and he's routinely pressing guys 94 feet. Um, and just out there vibing, playing basketball. Um, I, I, yeah, I think he's going to be a very good NBA player. All right, Mark, my last question for you. I know we got to get you out of here. Want to Once again, thank you so much for coming on and just giving us your thoughts on all this. But outside of the top five that's being projected right now with Cunningham, Mobley, Suggs, Green, and Kaminga, is Scotty Barnes the best option for the Pacers after the top five, or is there somebody that you could kind of tease that you might like a little bit better for this team? Um. Hold on a second. Let me pull up Tankathon because I did not have this ready in front of me. <laughs> um, sorry, one sec. I think like if there was uh, like it just like theoretically, if they were to get top eight, there probably are other guys that you could consider. Um, one second. I have it like right here. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I would probably consider Moses Moody over him um, and Keon Johnson for sure, too. Keon is like extremely raw, but the athleticism is just off the charts. Um, and I think oh, we need that going, desperately. Yeah. He would automatically without question would be the best athlete on the Pacers from day one. Um, wow. Like he, his pop vertically. And he he's not just like a one level athlete. Like he's able to go, uh, you know, he, he can drive and put it together at the rim. Um, like he's still got a lot of work to do. And he's somebody who would have to probably make a lot of mistakes early to figure things out, um, which makes it, you know, the, the, the fit a little bit difficult. Um, but I, I like the idea of him a lot uh, in as a pacer, which it's, it's again, it's probably not going to happen, but he's uh, anything's possible. So you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, I still need to do a lot more work on Franz Wagner, uh, but I would probably take Scotty Barnes over him. Me too. <laughs> um, so that's, yeah, I, I think a lot of people will look at, Franz Wagner and say, oh, that's a classic Pacers pick. I don't go that far. I I think he's pretty different. He's going to be a good player in the NBA. I don't have like a great feel for what he's going to be. But um, and there are a couple of guys who are like around Scotty's area that I would contemplate. But I still think you would you would take Scotty Barnes for sure. Yeah. And real quick, Foch, before I I let you do that, I just want to counter with the with the Wagner thing. I feel like with him, he's got a, a higher floor and a lower ceiling than some of these other guys. And in terms of what his long long-term you know NBA career looks like and I really just kind of want the Pacers to take more of a a bigger swing even if they miss I'd rather them miss on somebody that I was excited about than play it safe I know that sounds like a cop-out but at the same time I just they're not in this position very often so I I feel like trying to hit on upside to me is more important than picking a safe pick if that's if that makes sense of course no I'm, I'm with you right there roll the dice I mean we are in a pivotal spot right now we don't pick uh, in the lottery, you know, often at all. So why not swing big? Yeah. So did you have any more questions? Fox, I did or? not. I all did. right. All right. Cool. So that wraps it up. Mark, where can the people find you at on Twitter? 
Yeah, you can find me over at M Schindler NBA on Twitter. Uh, I, all my work is up there. I'm, 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 I'm a regular on Twitter. It would be an easy way to say it. But yeah, <laughs> I, I appreciate you guys having me on. This was a fun time, and I'll, I'll be happy to do it again whenever. All right, fine. So we just heard all that we need to know, I guess, about Scotty Barnes from our good friend Mark Schindler. Where can the people find us at on social media? So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden MBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. And you can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. And at the end of the day, if you're a Pacers fan, all you got to do is say these three words Let's go, Pacers! Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.